Welcome, 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 welcome. We're so happy to have you here today. For those of you that don't know me, I'm Pastor Jose. I'm the lead pastor here. But more importantly, look, I'm just like anyone else here. I'm searching for answers in life. I'm looking for direction. I'm seeking after God. And maybe you've been invited here. Maybe somebody dragged you here. Maybe you came against your will. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. And look, our job here is simply this, to just give you the word in a practical way that relates and is understandable, but most importantly, that allows for entrance in our lives. I got a question as we get started here today, and uh, this is completely outside of my notes, but I was standing back there during worship, and I heard the Holy Spirit ask me something in relation to the word of God to share with you. And so I want to start off with this question for all of you. How are you living? I want you to think about the implications of that question. For some of us, here's what we're thinking. Oh, here we go. You're going to talk to me about all my mistakes. You're going to talk to me about what's wrong. You're going to talk to me about, no, 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 no. It's not my job. My job is to point you to the word of God. But I want you to think about the operative word there. How are you living? By what standards, by what system, by what way are you leading your life? Over the last uh, two weeks, well, this is week two, we, last week we started a new series entitled Above the Clouds. And what we're doing is looking at the Word of God and exploring how we live life in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God. See, for many of us, we think about kingdom of God and what we think about is religion. We think about a place that you go to that people call church, and that's erroneous because the Bible says that you don't go to church, it says you are the church. Right? So you brought church with you. So thank you for bringing church to us. We're so glad you're here. But I want you to consider something here. That the kingdom of God is not religious monotony. It's not an affiliation to a denomination. It's not even about your behavior. It's not about how well you dress. It's not about your economic status. It's not about what you bring to the table. It's about what God established through Jesus Christ for all mankind. For all mankind. And the question, how are you living, really digs into by what way are you living life? By what manner, by what path are you living life? And the kingdom of God is not pie in the sky, as we'll see in the word. And we, if, you, if you missed last week, go to our website, ctbny.com. You can check out the podcast. Our notes are there in the app. You can get those too. Uh, but I want you to think about that the kingdom of God is not pie in the sky. The kingdom of God is a new way of living. It's a system. It's a process that informs how we relate to God and how God relates to us and through our lives. You know, back in the day, uh, for many years, we as people walked. We walked. Everything we did, we walked. And then one day, Somebody got a bright idea, a guy named Michelangelo, I believe, back in whatever time he was, many, many years ago, before any of us, and he started observing birds. And he began to say, I want to do what they do. And so this man, being skilled as an artist, began to draw these birds that he was observing. He observed their ways. And do you know that it's proven, you can actually Google this, by the way, because we go by everything with Google, right? Google certifies everything for us. I want you to think about this. This guy began to draw what he began to observe about aerodynamics. And he drew something that until this day looks very much like a helicopter. This guy got a bright idea. He said, wait, there's a better way than walking everywhere we go. Many, many years later, early 1900s, two brothers get the same curiosity. They begin to explore and they think, man, there's a better way than walking and just relying on these wheels that we make out of wood. I'd like to do what they do. And so the implication here about what I'm sharing with you is that we were limited according to the understanding of how we travel, which was our feet. And then somebody tapped in to a greater law, a greater system by which to travel. And that system, once it was discovered, trumped the system of walking. 
Let me tell you why I'm sharing that with you. Because God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And it's when we begin to discover how God has established his kingdom that we begin to experience life on a higher plane. And ladies and gentlemen, you'll soar in life. Can I just say this with all due respect? The truth is that maybe for some of us today, not pointing no fingers here because I've been there too, and at times I find myself there, we settle for our ways. We settle for what we think life is about. We settle for our plans and our purposes. And God says, hey, there's a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. And so thus, we must begin to understand what life in the kingdom of God is. It's not about religion. It's about something so much greater. In Matthew 16, 9, I'm just going to recap a couple of verses from last week. So, I, you know, if it sounds familiar, great. You get double blessing. In Matthew 16, 19, Jesus is speaking. And he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Two things I want you to see about what Jesus is saying here. Number one, there's a key to life. And that key, that doorway is found in the kingdom of God. And so the doorway for, to your life and mine is before us. And the key to it lies in the kingdom of God. Let me prove that to you. Think of what Jesus says in the second half of this verse. If we could just put that back up. He says, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. In other words, whatever you do in alignment with God's kingdom way, heaven backs it up. And he says, and whatever you loose on earth in agreement with God's kingdom will be loosed in heaven. What I want you to begin to consider is this, that God wants his kingdom working in and through your life. If you're waiting for the sweet by and by till one day I get there, I got news for you. According to the scriptures, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's now. It's with you. It's in you. We're going to explore that a little bit more. In Luke 12, 32, Jesus again speaking says this, Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Nothing pleases God more than when mankind comes to an understanding that there's a better way. His way. And we put our trust and our confidence in his kingdom. See, outside of the kingdom, we're paupers. We're living less than God's best. And I get it. We pursue life. We pursue money. We pursue status. We pursue career. We pursue material things. But all those things come and go. But the kingdom of God remains. It remains. And God's desire is that we would take possession, that we would grasp the truth of the keys that are hidden in his kingdom that unlock life. Life with God. In Colossians 1.13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. That speaks of a kingdom. It says, He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. Listen, if you have truly believed with your heart that God loves you independent of what you do for him, Because if it's based upon what we do, then what do we need Jesus for? And so if you believe with all your heart that Jesus came and paid a price and took on the penalty for sin, which was ours to pay, and by doing so, he took our place so that we could take his as sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. If you believe that with all your heart, then I got good news for you. You're a child of God. You're in the kingdom of God. If you don't know Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about religion. I'm talking about a real, thriving, personal, a relationship with God that you understand and you're growing in because his word and the truth is now informing what you believe in your heart and how you perceive life. If you believe that, then I want you to know 
that according to the scripture says you're now in the kingdom. And if you don't believe that, if you've struggled with that, hey, I got good news for you too. God says, I desire that all people would know my kingdom. I've given it for all mankind. This ain't exclusive. This ain't a club. Bible says that he gave what he did, he did for the entire world. Everyone. The rapist, the murderer, the businessman, the good person, the bad person, the person who beats his wife, the person who's struggling with drugs, the person who's got an addiction to money, the person who's chasing after their own desires. Every single person, God loves the entire world. Don't leave here thinking that you're excluded. And so you're in the kingdom of God if you know Christ. And if you don't, good news, the kingdom of God is available to you. But today I'd like to continue to build upon the foundation that we began establishing last week by simply making this statement to you. That you you have citizenship in the kingdom of God. Citizenship. What's he talking about? Oh man, this is about to get real weird. No, 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 no. Let me tell you what the word says. Philippians chapter 3 verse 20 says, But our citizenship is in heaven. That literally translates to our citizenship is in the kingdom of God. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice that little first word there. But. But. Here's what it's speaking about. It's saying there's a way that's outside the kingdom. And it's not a kingdom at all. It's a castle. Maybe it's the castle you've been building all these years. Maybe you've been there. But God says that where you belong, where you're truly from, where you're intended to live from, how you're intended to perceive life and approach it is from your citizenship in the kingdom. You know, uh, many, many years ago in the 70s, my mom (laughs) and my dad migrated to this country. Wait, I thought you were Puerto Rican, Pastor Jose. I am not Puerto Rican. I thought you were Dominican. I'm not Dominican. My mother's from El Salvador. My father's from Mexico. And they migrated here in the 70s, and they met here. That's when heaven came down and I was born. Um, I'm I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Man, sometimes I say some things, and I'm like, why did I even say that? I'm sorry. And so, you know, as my mom gets older... It it impresses me how in these latter years, she remembers more and more details about her life, about her upbringing and what it was like to come here and do that. You got to understand, my mother came here with a desire to establish a life so that she can bring my four older sisters to this country. I wasn't even in the picture then. And so uh, she comes here and in her mindset, the way she says it is she came in, she said, I'm going to get a job and I'm going to save enough money. And that's all I need to do. And then I'll bring my daughters over. But the challenge that my mother discovered when she came to this country was that it was so much more than just getting a job. There was an entire culture, an entire language, and entire norms and laws and things that she was unaware of. And she experienced the challenge in transitioning to life here in this country. And the reason why I share that with you is because we all can relate to that if we think about in relation to the kingdom of God. Maybe Jesus is something new for you. Maybe you've been doing this for a while, but I can tell you this, that it is not peaches and cream. It's not a bunch of roses. Oh, we're blessed and it's, it's good. But there are challenges that we undergo and the greatest challenge that we must all overcome with God is this transition from where we were to where we now are. Listen closely to what I'm talking about. Listen closely. When we start to identify with our citizenship, it changes how we approach life. You go to Europe. You go to some countries and you see how they treat Americans. And watch how you respond. You don't get it. I'm an American. You claim your citizenship. You stand upon it. And if you get in trouble, you run to the embassy. Right? (laughs) But you understand your citizenship and the power of it. In Acts chapter 26, verses 17 and 18, Jesus has this encounter with this guy named Paul. You got to understand that Paul 
grew up in religious norms. He grew up according to the Jewish laws. Jesus didn't even factor into the equation of relating to God for him. But then Jesus presents himself to Paul and his eyes are open. The scriptures actually declare that scales came off his eyes and he was able to see for the first time what truly a relationship with God was, what life with God was. And so in this initial conversation between him and Jesus, Jesus is speaking to him and he says to him, I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. In other words, I'll rescue you from what you thought life was about. He says, and I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them, listen closely, from darkness to light. Darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. So that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. These scriptures right here that we're reading right now, if you really dig into them, what you'll begin to see is that they describe the struggle we all encounter in shifting from the way we thought life was to life in the kingdom of God. I'll tell you why. Because that word darkness there in the original Greek language is the same word used for ignorance. Ignorance. And that word light there is conversely powerful and life-giving and liberating. That word light is the same word in the Greek and in the Hebrew for the word knowledge. I'll tell you why that's important and powerful as we're laying a foundation for today. Because God desires that we would all have an intimate knowledge of his kingdom so that we would not live in the darkness of ignorance. Can we get a picture of this? Try living your life with the lights out all the time. If you could pull a shade on the sky and live in complete darkness, how'd that work for you? Oh, you try and find your way, but I guarantee you this, we'd all be bumping into each other and tripping over things. We'd never make it to our intended destination. And what God is simply saying to you and I is this, that in this kingdom... It's a kingdom of light. It's a kingdom where you know God's purposes, where you understand God's will, where you understand how good and loving and powerful and forgiving and merciful God is, where you understand that life is so much better according to the path that he forges instead of the one that you're working and struggling to forge on your own. Let me, put, let, me, let me summarize all that with one statement. Where you're from determines how you experience life. Put that to you another way. Where you identify who you are from determines how you experience life. And the roots you identify with determine the fruit that you'll produce in your life. See, it makes a difference. It makes all the difference between moving forward with the kingdom of God and moving backwards by the ignorance of it. God's not withholding anything from anyone. The kingdom of God is at hand. And the revelation of it starts with the truth that his word reveals about the kingdom. See, your citizenship makes all the difference. Let me show you that from Scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 13 through 16. I'm going to be reading it from the Message Bible version. It says, Each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing. This is referring to people that were believers. And the writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, is bringing across a point of what faith looks like in action. And what we're seeing here is he's specifically referring to people that triumphed in life but underwent great circumstances, even death, even persecution. They were martyred. They, they went through lack. They hungered. They, they had all these difficulties. But these people understood what it was to identify with the kingdom of God. I'll start again from the beginning. It says, each one of these people of faith died not yet having in hand what was promised, but still believing, 
How did they do it? They saw it way off in the distance, waved their greeting, and accepted the fact, listen closely, that they were transients in this world. I want you to see something here. While living this life, experiencing these challenges, whatever it may be, they said, I'm here, but this, this is passing. This is nothing. This is, this, this is small stuff. I like the way Paul puts it. Paul talks about all these challenges that he, and he says, we were shipwrecked. We were left for dead. We hungered. We know what it is to have and not to have. Been martyred. It took stripes 39 times on my back, two times. Twice what Jesus took. And he says, and yet in these light afflictions. Light work. That's the best you got for me. But I'll tell you why we should consider what the scripture is revealing here. Because many times we put so much more importance on what life, quote unquote, throws our way. And we forget the kingdom we belong to. And so he goes on to say, people who live this way make it plain that they're looking for their true home. If they were homesick for the old country, they could have gone back anytime they wanted. But they were after a far better country than that. Heaven country. You can see why God is so proud of them and has a city waiting for them. Look, it's very easy to get caught up with identifying where we're from based upon our experiences. Earlier this week, I sent out a uh, survey text. Right, and I asked this question. A bunch of people responded, and thank you for all of you that responded. And some, some people didn't understand. I was like, wait, I don't get the questions. Anyway, the questions simply went like this. Where are you from, and how has that impacted your life? Where are you from? And, you know, the responses that we got simply proved the point about citizenship. Now, it was all good stuff. But some of the responses, well, all of them practically was, well, I grew up in the Bronx, so I grew up in the Hudson Valley, and I went to school here, and this was the type of household I grew up. If I grew up without my mother, or I grew up without my father, or I grew up with a family member, and, you know, I know what it is to be hungry, and I know what it is to see challenges, and, you know, there was abuse, or this, or that, good things, bad things. Your problems, your money, your neighborhood, your children, your religious practices, your tax bracket, and anything else that comes with life, quote-unquote. None of these things define you. None of them determine who you are in the kingdom of God. Thus, we must get back to the very basic principle where we believe and see life through a different set of eyes. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says this, and we're going to also read verse 15. It says, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. You know what it's talking about there? What you believe. The Bible says that with the heart you believe, with the mouth you confess, right? And so it says, set your heart, set your belief on things above. Set what you trust in, what you, what you rely upon as truth. It says, set your heart on things above. But why? It says, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Put it to you this way. If you want to elevate your life, then elevate your vantage point. Rise to a higher standard. See it from God's perspective. You know, when you're at ground level, you can't see everything. But you get up on top of a mountain, you can see everything around you. Are you getting my point here? So it says, since then you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now watch this. It talks about our belief, but then it talks about how we think. It says, and set your minds on things above, not earthly things. For you died. In other words, that system, that life by which you approached life with God is dead. There's a better way. There's a new way. He says, so for you've died and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. 
And verse 15 tells us the value of that. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace. Get this. That word peace there, the Greek word there for that word, speaks of peace that is exempt from the havoc that's around it. So it's not talking about, oh, it's pie in the sky. Everything's just so happy-go-lucky. No, that's not what it's talking about. It's talking about this havoc. Life happens, but you walk in peace. Because you follow after a king who once was called the prince of peace. You got a better way to follow. You got a better way to go. And so your citizenship in the kingdom of God entitles you to all God's best. And it would be of benefit to us to remember that we're citizens in the kingdom of God. The Bible gives an account of a man named Mephibosheth. How about that name for your son and Mephibosheth, right? The Bible gives an account of this guy named Mephibosheth who grew up in a kingdom. This guy Mephibosheth was the grandson to the first king of Israel, a guy named Saul. And his father was the king's son, a guy named Jonathan. And so Mephibosheth understood what life was like in a kingdom. It's what he was being groomed for. See, while he was a little boy, the fact that he was in the family lineage of a king announced this about his life. We're grooming you and raising you so that one day you can assume your place as a king in this kingdom. Hear that. Only problem is that his grandfather, the first king of Israel, instead of leading from the front as he looked to God and loved God, he led from the front while looking back at the people and going with the popular consensus of what they said. He was following after the accolades the affection, the acclaim that he received from people. And so if this side of the room said, man, we should uh, eat chicken for the rest of the month, he would go, I decree that for the rest of this month we will eat chicken because everybody wants chicken. That was a lot funnier in my head than (laughs) you guys thought. But anyway, this this guy Saul followed after people. And so because of that, there comes a point where God strips him of the kingdom. He tells him, I'm appointing another king, a guy named David. This guy was 15 years old at the time when God anoints him as king. And it wasn't until another 15 years or so after that that he actually assumed the throne. But in the midst of that, little Mephibosheth comes along. He's born and he grows up in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, this guy Mephibosheth had such a great plan for his life that his name tells us what he was destined for. His name means dispeller of shame. It also means deliverer against Baal. Baal was the in God. He was the church. Everybody went to the church of Baal because that's where you can worship. That's where all the cool stuff happens. Right? And so they, they went there. They worshiped Baal. But this guy Mephibosheth from birth was destined to be one that would deliver people from blindness. That would point people back to God. He was one that would dispel the shame that the people of Israel had assumed by their ignorance of God and his ways. Only problem is that his grandfather jacked that all up. So the time comes where this young man who's now, a young boy who's now a man named David, assumes the kingdom. And in assuming the kingdom, David, as a matter of fact, God said, was a man after his own heart. In other words, he loved like God loved. He believed in God to such an extent that his ways would be determined by God. His agenda was God. And so this guy, David, had such a heart for the Lord that he did something that was uncommon in those days. 
when he's assuming the kingdom, he says to his, to his armies, he says, if you find Saul, or you find everything, anyone from his family, don't kill them. Spare them. I'm going to show them mercy. Kind of like how God does. But he had some people within his ranks that viewed it differently. And so when they find Saul, they kill Saul. And they kill Saul's son, Jonathan. And in the midst of all this, little Mephibosheth is at home somewhere with the caretaker in the kingdom. And the Bible records in 2 Samuel chapter 9 that the, when all this is happening, that this caretaker, she hightails it in, in haste because she doesn't want to allow for Mephibosheth to be executed. She wants him exempt of that. And so she leaves in haste. She's rushing. And we don't know exactly the details of what happened except that Mephibosheth, while they're on the run, suffers an injury to such an extent that it leaves him crippled. Crippled for the rest of his life. And he ends up with this caretaker in this place called Lodabar. That might not mean much to you. But you see, this place, Lodabar, had a huge impact on his life. He lived there in hiding and fear. With his head down. As a matter of fact, the, the name of this city, the meaning of it, actually tells us how low his life got. Because that word Lodabar there means a place without pasture. Get the picture here. Nothing grows there. Everything there dies. It's a dry land. It's a dead place. And thus, Mephibosheth finds himself there at the last stop amongst a bunch of people who've just accepted their lot in life and they say it gets no better than this so we might as well just dwell in dry and dead places we get nothing out of this but this is what life is about you ever find yourself at that point where you've settled and said it's too hard I can't, I'm not qualified, whatever. In whatever way that relates to your life. Well, if you've been there, are there, or if you find yourself heading there at any point in your life, I have a word of caution and a word of encouragement for you today as we're closing up. When you forget that you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, like Mephibosheth forgot that he was a citizen of a kingdom, it leads you to dry places. It leads you to dead results. Listen, while you're doing your own thing, I'm doing me, baby. Whatever you sow will produce nothing. Whatever you put your confidence in will come up short. See, Mephibosheth may have been taken at a young age against his will. But here's one thing that we do know about Mephibosheth. He always knew that he was destined to be a king. His problem was he let go of the promise. He forgot who he was. Hey, maybe this is the first time you're hearing this or maybe you, you know this. You're a Bible veteran. You got it all together. Wherever you're at, let me just say this to you. Don't forget the kingdom that you belong to. And if you don't know Christ, don't forget from this day forward that God has a kingdom that can change your life. Don't do the same as Mephibosheth. I like the words of this guy named David, the same guy who became king. Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, he says this. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. You know who he's talking to? His mind. That word soul there speaks of his mind. You know what he's doing? He's reminding himself about something. Something that we forget when it comes to the kingdom and its ways. He says, praise the Lord, all my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. 
who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Listen, David is remembering in his old age here. David's at the end. He's not even king at this point, according to what theologians think. David is remembering the source of his success in life. He's reminding himself, there's benefits associated with this kingdom of God. This impacts my life greatly. Get this, while being a king and having a kingdom, David relies on a kingdom greater than his own. Hello? That's good preaching there. (laughs) That's good preaching, preacher. Listen, David relied on a system greater than his own, his own ways, his own thoughts. And as a result of it, David experienced success with God. So anyway, let's get back to the story as we're wrapping up here. This guy, David, one day is sitting in the kingdom amongst some of his counsel. And he's thinking about Saul and he's thinking about Jonathan, who was the king, who was the son of a king that he, uh, he took over for. And as he's thinking about this guy, Jonathan, he's remembering a promise that he made to him. I will always be good and merciful. I will show kindness to your family line. In essence, what he's saying is this. I will show kindness to the line of the king before me. Now, you got to understand that according to kingdom system, that's not how it works. If you're the king but another king still resides or someone who has a right to the throne, there's a problem. That guy's got to, you got to get, you know, you got to get rid of that king. But David, having the heart of God, was true to his promise. And so he's, as he's musing and remembering about this guy, uh, Jonathan and Saul and everything, he says, is there anyone in the kingdom from the line of Jonathan that I can extend kindness and mercy to? And one of his, uh, One of his counsel gets up. He goes, yes, there's still one. There's this guy named Mephibosheth who's the son of Jonathan. The Bible says that David says, get him for me. So they go and they get Mephibosheth and they bring him before David. And this initial conversation between the both of them tells us how far removed Mephibosheth had gotten from a kingdom mindset. He couldn't even relate to its ways. Let's read in 2 Samuel 9, verses 7 through 8, starting at verse 7. It says, don't be afraid, David said to him. So here's what we know. This guy, Mephibosheth, is scared to death. Most likely he's believing I'm going to be executed. Most likely he's believing my life is over. This is, I'm done. This is going to turn out real bad. But David says to him, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Get what just happened here. Understand the power of what David has just said to this guy, Mephibosheth. He's saying to him, you're not just anybody, Mephibosheth. God's saying to you, you're not just anybody. Watch what he says. He says, I will restore to you all the lands of your grandfather's soul. You know what that means? He's saying, I will restore to you everything that belonged to a king. Listen closely. I will restore to you everything that belonged to your grandfather, the king. In other words, I will allow you to dwell in my kingdom as a king. Some of you didn't get that. Listen, you may be trotting along in life, doing your own thing. You might forget sometimes what this is all about and how much God loves you and God's great purposes and plans. But the Bible says that we serve a king. And in the, in the kingdom, the kingdom's kids live according to the provision of the king. They are royalty. Listen, God is calling you and I to elevate in life to such an extent that we understand where we come from. 
that we exercise our rights in the kingdom, that we know the benefits. You don't have to settle for less than God's best. Don't. You belong in the kingdom. And he says to him, Mephibosheth, you'll always eat at my table. You'll understand the implications of that in a second. But what's interesting is Mephibosheth's response. Here the king of the kingdom is saying, I'm giving you everything. Let me expand that a little bit further. Here God is saying through Christ Jesus, I'm giving you everything. 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 And Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant? You know what that word servant there means? Slave. He says, what am I but a slave in comparison to you? He says that you should notice a dead dog like me. Mephibosheth had gotten so far removed from his call to a life in a kingdom that he'd forgotten what it was to be a part of a kingdom. He'd forgotten his place. See, choosing to stay in dry and dead places only served one purpose in Mephibosheth's life. It killed his sense of identity. He did not know who he was intended to be. He'd forgotten it. See, when you forget that you're a citizen in the kingdom of God, when you don't know it, you can easily miss what God is restoring The king is here telling him, I'm giving you everything. And he's going, no, 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 no. You don't understand, oh kind sir. I'm only worthy to be a slave. As a matter of fact, I'm just a dead dog before you. You know why Mephibosheth believed that? Because he had dwelled for such a long time in dead and dry places. Can I just encourage you today? Be mindful of what system and what's in that system. The relationships you keep. The things that you define your life by. What you draw yourself, your sense of self-worth from. Be mindful of those things. Are they producing life in Christ? Are they revealing what God promises about you? Or are they pulling you down and encouraging death? Are they killing your sense of identity? Are they robbing you of truth revealed from God? Listen, I'm not talking about playing games. I'm not talking about playing church. I'm talking about you realizing and coming to a place where your eyes are open. I'm a kingdom kid. I belong in the kingdom. And I'm seeking after God in his ways because his ways are better than my ways. His thoughts are better than my thoughts. His plans and purpose are not to harm me, but to give me hope in the future. What I love about this encounter between David and Mephibosheth, that David, much like God, is unmoved by how Mephibosheth saw himself. He wasn't moved by where Mephibosheth's heart was located. His heart, his belief was all back in Lodabar. I'm just a dead dog. I don't deserve any of this. And David, much like God, was unmoved by all that Mephibosheth had lost along the way. No, David, like God, had one interest and one interest only. To restore the kingdom to his people. But you know why God, much like David in this story, is unmoved? See, what you see does not change what's in you. What you see does not change what's in you. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Jesus put it this way. It says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees in Luke 17, 20 and 21, it says, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, there's nothing you can do in and of yourself 
to earn your place in the kingdom. It doesn't come by what you do or what you say or how you behave. He says, nor will they say, see here or see it there. But watch why. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Listen, here we are seeking the kingdom, seeking pie in the sky, and it's been with you the whole time. That's a good God. That's a merciful God. That's a loving God. The kingdom of God is at hand right now in your life. And so while Mephibosheth had left the kingdom and was far removed, in God's eyes, his call to be in the kingdom never left him. And wherever you're going, whatever choices you're making, however you're approaching life, whether you're following God or if you leave here today and you say, you know what, that was a good preaching. It's a good sermon. That was a good sermon, preacher. And that's all you ever hear. I want you to know something, that today truth and the kingdom of God has left with you. And God is saying, I've given you the keys, open the door and take a hold of what I've provided in Christ. In closing, 2 Samuel 9, verse 11, wraps up your story and mine so well. It gives such great context to what we've received in Christ. Second half of verse 11 in Second Samuel, Samuel 9 says, And so Mephibosheth ate at David's table, watch this, like one of the king's sons. Here we are deriving where we're from and its impact based upon what we were taught, the mistakes we've made. You'll never learn unless you make mistakes. You'll learn something, but that's not the way God wants us to learn. God wants us to know the kingdom. And so here we are, pursuing life, pursuing identity, seeking to accumulate possessions, carve out our own little lot in life. But you got to understand something here today, ladies and gentlemen, that your, citizen in the, your citizenship in the kingdom of God is your guarantee to God's provision for everything in your life. Everything. Jesus put it this way. Seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And all these things, all these other things will be added unto you. Let's stand here today. I leave you with this parting thought. Remember where you're from. Remember today that the kingdom of God is available to each and every one of us. Remember that God's not done with you. Remember that God loves you. And remember that God loves you so much that he's giving you a way by which you can enjoy and experience all that he's destined for you. There's hope, there's purpose, there's meaning, there's provision, there's healing, there's strength, there's peace, there's love and joy, all wrapped up in the kingdom of God. And today I'm challenging each and every one of you to consider that question with which we started. How you living? How? By what means are you approaching life? And I encourage you, remember that the kingdom of God is yours. Father, today, we lift our hearts unto you. We lift our eyes. We lift our lives. And Lord, we take this moment to consider the truth that your word reveals to us. That you're not a tyrant. You're not distant. You're not punishing us. You're not inflicting damage and harm in our lives. No, you're a king. And you've established the kingdom. The greatest kingdom of all. The king of kings. That's who you are. And you're not withholding anything. No, as a matter of fact, your word says 
that we are joint heirs and co-laborers in Christ with the King of Kings. Your kingdom is available to us. Hey, maybe today for some of us here, you've never heard or understood a personal relationship with God to this extent. You've never understood nor believed that God calls you royalty, that God loves you, that God invites you to partake in his very best, not just for this life, but for, for eternity. And if that's where you are today, and today there's a hope being birthed in your heart, and you're saying, I need a relationship with God. I believe that that's for me from this day forward. I want that. Well, guess what? You are prime and ready right now to accept the keys to the kingdom, to take a hold of all that God has provided in Christ, and to grasp life in such an amazing way where it transforms you, but it begins to transform your circumstances. It gives your life meaning. It gives you purpose. It changes the direction. It gives you a better way by which you approach everything. It's called Jesus. And if you believe that today, we want to pray this with you. Join our belief in Christ to yours. Let's pray this together. And if you believe that, you just pray that right there with us. Say, Jesus, I believe. You're the Son of God. I believe that you died and you rose again. I believe that you paid the price of sin for me. Today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. And I take hold of the keys of the kingdom. Now lead me and guide me. And show me your ways. Hey, if you prayed that for the very first time, we celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life. We thank God that you've gone from darkness to light. No longer do you have to settle for ignorance. No longer do you have to settle for a way that's less than God's best. Now, Father, we leave here rejoicing in you, thanking you for all you've done in Jesus. We say we love you, and we take hold of the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen.